what I want to do now is um, take you through the history of um, EVs recruiting. Um, and what I'm, the big thing I want you to see is that um, recruiting um, needs to evolve as, uh, as your church grows in size and as things change and contexts change. Recruiting needs to evolve. Um, now, obviously, I wasn't there at the beginning because I would have been seven or something. But um, day one, so Andrew Heard um, lands on the Central Coast. He, he begins this church with six people or something. Uh, and so he's the senior guy. Um, and so how do people get into ministry? It's directly through Andrew, through the senior guy. He, um, he has in his mind what ministries he wants to start, and so he just goes and talks to one of the, the other five people and says, hey, do you want to get involved in doing this? How do you feel about that? Um, step two, once you move from there, once it's you not, don't only have the senior guy... Um, you now have um, other people thinking about ministries. Um, you have maybe a team leader, um, or maybe you have another minister, maybe the second guy's on. Um, there's then two ways I think it can happen. Maybe there's more, but I've got two ways. Um, you can go a free market where um, every team leader is recruiting for their ministry, and so I'm just looking out for, I'm thinking about food or whatever, and I'm looking around going, who can I grab? I'm going to grab you. And so, um, uh, which in that sort of scenario, um, the best recruiter wins, um, which means it's not the most um, healthy way to go about recruiting because it it just means whoever's really good at selling vision, whoever's the visionary out of the team leaders, their their ministry will flourish and the others will likely maybe even shrink because you poach people or, um, or they just won't grow. So there's, you can go the free market way or it stays with someone, maybe the senior minister or someone who's thinking ministry um, and they champion, they have in their mind what are the key minist- what's the key strategic priorities for us this year or in this little patch of time that we really want to recruit for because if we don't recruit for that then um, we won't hit our goals and church won't um, flourish. So you can either do, I think there's, there's a couple of ways, free market or someone's championing the cause. Now, um, Andrew Heard decided to go with the free market kind of way for quite some time. Um, one of the other things about that is um, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. That's a helpful principle. So um, the, the best recruiter, he's getting everybody, but then this guy over here who can't do it, he starts whinging. So this other team team leaders will start whinging to the senior pastor, and whoever makes the most noise—not whinging is a bad noise, a bad word, sorry—a brother who's struggling because he loves Jesus and wants people to be captured, um, he makes starts making lots of noise, and so he'll end up getting resources as well. There's something that can go down. Um, uh, one of the other things about the free market thing is it's all about who you know. So it can only work for a time because, as we'll argue, you can't know everyone in your church well enough to be the sole pastor. Like, you just, it's just not possible. Um, and so um, as church gets bigger, things have to change. And so for, for EV, what, um, yeah. I was going to add a common variant of the free market would also be that, you know, for example, the kids' ministry, you'd have a coordinator, but the other team members... They'd realise, oh, we short somebody there. Oh, I know so and so. 
um, A, how about you come in and... Yeah. And, and so there's, there's multiple people. Yeah, so hopefully the team leaders or the ministers have each other's backs and looking out for other te- people's teams as well and have ear open. Yeah. Um, so after the free market thing starts to deteriorate and people are feeling the pain of it, um, uh, what happened at EV was we got a ministry person. And that was after 13... How many years? of yeah, 13. 13 years of church before that happened. Um, now, one of the issues with getting a ministry person, which we would advocate that you really need someone to champion ministry... Um, thinking about teams and recruiting. But one of, the, one of the things that can happen is when you get a ministry guy, everyone goes, ah, you're going to solve all my problems. You're going to do all the recruiting for me. You're going to fill my teams. You're going to meet all the needs that I have. Um, and so what happened to Rhett and what's happened to me as well, and um, we just, you just get an email bombardment from every team leader saying, hey, by the way, we need X amount of people for welcoming tomorrow. Um, which, what's the issue with that? Bottleneck. Lot. You don't have Bottleneck. Bottleneck, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So first thing that the ministry guy does? Recruit. Build a team. <laughs> Recruit your own team, yeah. <laughs> so we have every ministry person, we have our establishment team, yeah. Um, but also, just, uh, I think someone said over here, we... I, we don't have five new people to go into membership straight away, um, uh, and so there's all the, there's it's um, lots of pressure on the ministry person. It's unreal ex- unrealistic expectations, and also it raised questions for us about the health of all their teams. Why do you need five new people for welcoming? What happened to the five people who were there before? Are you structuring your your ministry well and doing your ministry effectively so that you don't actually you're saying you need 15. Maybe you only need eight, and you could be doing things heaps more efficiently. So it raised all these questions for us as well, which meant that um, our thinking about the ministry area kind of expanded. We we, we realised that we really need to do um, not only think about recruitment and um, building leadership stuff, but we also need to be doing lots of consultancy work. Um, where we would um, sort of parachute in to every all the different M's and actually help them think, just help them think about their structures and ministries and just be an outside, a second opinion, a voice, a f- fresh set of ears. Um, it also led us to, to realise that we needed a, um, a central place to record all the needs throughout church. And so um, I won't be able to pull it up, unfortunately, but we, we now use um, Google Drive. Does everyone know what Google Drive is? Most people. So we use Google Drive, and that's I've um, all the the M guys at Night EV. They were all shared on this one document, and um, basically it just says Night EV ministry needs, and it's got magnification, membership, maturity, and they just write down what ministry holes they have. So membership might write down we need three new welcomers, and I've and I've structured the document in three levels, and so it'll say um, I'll try and draw it real quick. Um, so needs and um, different columns like this um, maturity then and then there's three <coughs> levels as well and this is this is the crass behind closed doors speak um, to leaders level one is the the, um, the kind of ministries the entry level ministry 
the, the ministries that anyone who's just become a Christian can do. So serving food or that sort of stuff. Level two is the thing that where you need a little bit more maturity for this or you need a real specific gift or skill. Um, and level three, so uh, what's a level two? Um, maybe being a team leader of one of these entry-level ones. Um, and level three is, um, for maturity, say, your growth group leader. Now, that takes a particular gift and a particular amount of maturity. And so then they record their needs. They say, we need one growth group leader. And that means that I can, at all times, have my... I can look at this thing and go, wow, I see all the need across church. And I can um, think about, as the ministry person, think about what is the key ministries that we need to fill at this particular point in time. Um, What are the things that, if we don't have happening will die, kind of thing. Um, And then what we realise is that we needed a context for discussing those needs. Um, And so we have, what we do now is in our, um, what we call our focus meetings. Um, So um, Night EV, the young adults focus, we call them, we don't call them congregations, we call them focuses. doesn't really matter, but um, because we focus in on particular um, group people that we want to reach. So Night EV, we're trying to reach 18 to 25 year olds. And so the 5M guys who work at Night EV and our focus leader, we get together every two weeks and we discuss the ministry and um, think priorities and all that sort of stuff. And so now in our focus meetings every two weeks, um, whenever someone is going to come into ministry, I raise it there at focus and say, hey, maturity of us for a growth group leader and I think Billy would be great for it. How do you guys feel about it? And then we'll throw around and membership will go, Billy would also be a heaps good welcoming team leader and we desperately need a team leader and then we bash each other up and try and win. Now then we kind of hash it out and try and figure out what's going to be the best thing for Billy and what's going to be the best thing for church in, in general. Do you want to ask any questions at this point? I'll tell you about how we actually get someone not in ministry into ministry in a second, but do you want to ask me any questions? Cool, I'll power on. Yeah. You, you all get that, that's actually, someone's doing that in their head, intentionally or not in church, either way. Did you say that? Sorry, I didn't catch it. Well, what I'm saying is, initially Andrew heard so the church planners doing yeah. that, yeah. or if he's <coughs> doing it, someone else not doing it, then you're making choices, but just you're not aware of it. But there are being choices made. Yeah. So it's good to make deliberate choices. I'm it's good to have a team of people that. Are... Yeah, I'm saying yes. Deliberate, intentional, well thought through yeah. choices. Yeah. How big was the church when Andrew moved? Uh, what do you mean by moved? Across from in his head to a team of. Or it went. Fr- it was free market. Oh, so, so it went to free market then. Yeah. So how? It's pretty, like pretty quickly, I imagine. Well, it was early on free market, but we probably, we, well, one of the things that happened, well, I think we estimated there were about 500 people in ministry um, when I came on. But to be honest, no one really knows because we didn't have a central sort of database system that no, we didn't even know. <coughs> largely we had rosters. Two things were happening. We largely had rosters. People in lots of different rosters. And we didn't have many teams. So you actually have to, we had to have, uh, a central database. In our case, we have CCB Church Community Builder, and that actually required that teams get filled up 
so we could actually work out who was where. Um, yeah, up till then it was, it was free market, and so um, yeah, so a few things happen as soon as once you move to a, you know having a systemised thing. Up till then, you've got free market, so people are being burnt out and all sorts of stuff. But often you, you don't know about it, or you're just dealing with the, the putting the fires out on the way because people aren't talking to each other. And suddenly, you one staff member's got them doing three ministries, another staff person's got them doing three ministries, and they don't know that that's happening until someone suddenly falls apart and realises that at a, at a pastoral management level of this caring for this person, we didn't do very well. So I'll talk um, actually now recruiting someone, getting someone from not serving in church to serving in church. Um, The way that happens now for us is um, we have our, I think I mentioned before, our EV startup event, which is the the event that we try and get people to go through to move from the membership world into the maturity world, as that is connected into church such that they're part of a growth group meeting weekly. And at the EV startup event... um, at the end of it, we say, "Hey, we're going to um, we want to get you connected into a growth group, um, and and then late some somewhere down the line, someone will come and talk to you about ministry." And so we we put um, we place them into a growth group, and then after um, after a few weeks, maybe a month, we want to let them settle in growth group because we care first and foremost about the individual that they're being cared for and and serving others informally by being there, by praying for them. So we want to make sure they've settled in a growth group. And then the process is, we uh, it's a phone call. So someone on my ministry team, which I only have, I have a team of three, because we don't have like 50 people coming into ministry every week. So it's actually, this, this coming term we'll have about 10, I think. So a team of me and three is plenty to, to deal with 10 people. Um, as church grows, Lord willing, we might have to expand that team. Um, but I should say as well that that team, they're the most abled, able um, people in the church, as in they need to be, um, they need to have pastoral wisdom, they need to be able to talk to people, um, they need to be able to think what's best for 9EV. Um, this person's telling me they want to do this, but I don't think they actually have those gifts. How do I gently push them toward this ministry instead? So they need to, that team needs to be really... Um, solid um, but so someone on that team will get assigned uh, uh, this new person and so they'll call the growth group leader and say um, this, is this person regular at growth group do you think they're ready to serve uh, at that point we trust the wisdom of the growth group leader they say yes and then we have um, these forms we send them which um, do you want to try and get these forms up red or on that computer um, uh, they're on Rhett's computer. Would you mind trying to flip those over? Um, we have these forms that we send. We have two forms. And the first one is, um, is a, are, you, um, are you ready to serve in ministry form? And we send that. That's actually the first point of contact. It's not even face-to-face. It's not even a phone call. Um, it's just an email that goes out to them. Um, and this is new. We're, so we're, we're trialling these things now. And... Um, Ask me in six months and tell you if it's any good. Um, at the moment, it seems to be working. Um, this, this form goes out to them. It says, uh, are you ready to serve in ministry? How are you finding, um, how are you finding growth group? How have, how have you been growing? 
would you like someone to call you or meet up with you? Oh, here we go. Um, can you all read that from back there? Um, this says, name, are you part of a growth group? Um, how's your experience? Are you, are you ready to be involved in a ministry at a church? And then down the bottom, um, if you've indicated yes, um, another form will be sent to you. And so if they say, yes, I want to be involved in ministry, then we send them another form, which is um, this next form, which... If you go so it is helpful just to see here that um, we're trying to sense that they land well in a growth group and they're enjoying the experience. You probably said that, is that what mm. Okay. Um, and the reason why we do a form first, I was just talking to the person who kind of came up with this theory last week, because I wasn't convinced of this. I was like, what, how come we're sending a form and that's our first contact with people, not face-to-face? And um, Kathy Hurd, who works in the ministry area, um, she said that um, she's been, she finds that sending the form actually prepares people for the next step, which is the conversation. So people, um, they hear, they get the form, and if they're keen, they're, they love it. They're like, sweet, yeah, send me stuff. And then and come talk to me, but if they don't, if they're a little bit hesitant about why is this church wanting to sell me something or step me into something, um, that kind of same issue that you sometimes find on. If if they are going to react like that, that they've already had one little bit of contact with us where they don't have to react to us face to face, is it's kind of softens the blow so that when we call them up, if they haven't responded to the email. We call them up and say, "Hey, I'm from I'm the ministry team. I sent you an email. I'm not sure if you had a chance to see it. It's a little bit. Um, they don't have to go. Why are you talking to me about ministry and react initially? They can do that by themselves without having to say anything to us. And so, yeah, that seems to be working okay at the moment. So we'll see how it keeps going. But so if they say yes, I'm keen, then we send them this one: ministry at EV Church. Um, and I actually have my own ministry at night EV one because ministry at night EV is different than at morning church. So this is more of a morning church one. But then basically um, what we do, uh, we list every single ministry that there is at night EV, at, um, at church and we list them underneath the different M's. Uh, and so, for instance, membership. I would like to welcome people at the Welcome Lounge. I would like to be part of the barbecue team on Sunday morning. I would like to help with the startup event for new people. I'd like to have people over at my place. And we ask people to just tick as many things as you'd like to know more about. And so they just tick, 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 tick. And then right down at the end, it says, um, uh, I would like someone to call me regarding the best ministry for me. I would like someone to meet up and discuss the best ministry for me. So we give them those options. And then we, um, we look at what they've said that they'd like to do and um, and then we that's when we either have like a, a long phone call with them or uh, or the interview kind of like what Owen's doing the sit down let's talk ministry you've said you like this tell me about yourself um, what yeah what are your passions what are your giftings that sort of stuff from there um, from there once we know that okay they they begin to do these three different roles can I just get the so they've been coming to church for a while, you send them out the form, hey, you want to be involved in ministry. And then in that form, the first form, you say, do you want to get in contact with someone? If they say, 
When do you send out the second form? Is it after you've had a phone call or you send it out straight away? Um, yeah, yeah, sorry, good question. Um, if they say, yes, I'm ready, then we send them the second form. And actually the question is, would you like us to send you a form about oh, okay, different yeah. ministry? And then it's after that you don't have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we send it. If they say, no, I'm not ready, then we say, then we would reply to them and say, that's totally fine. Um, do you mind if we ask you again in, or um, catch up with you again in, in three or six months? Um, and so we just we go, okay, cool. So you don't have to be involved. Like how long would you wait before you? Is it three or six um, Yeah, my experience has been usually when people say no, it's because um, they have um, they might have just have something going on in their life that means they can't actually serve, and maybe they're a little bit nervous about telling you that. But they might have some disability that means they just um, they just can't. They don't have much energy or something, um, and so. Most of the time, it's like three months, I think. Um, if and they some say no to that question, would you like us to catch up with you in three to six months? They say no. What happens? Uh, I've never had anyone say no, okay. so I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I think I'd frame it. Would Would you mind if we, if I spoke to you again in six months and just see how you're going? And um, yeah, but I haven't had anyone say no yet, so I, guess so I don't know what I'll say. I guess I'm not actually always do the talk to me in three or six months again, so... Yeah, yeah. Does that happen? Well, you probably, this is a new system, but I imagine that you could get people just continuing to put stuff... Back, back, back. 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 Yeah. So and at that point, at that we've... Point you've got to talk to them. It's past recommendation. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've got to explain to them that you've been one now to... You're a priest to God, that your life is about service of Jesus. Yeah. So... Um, from there, once, once we've kind of got, okay, they would like to know about these three ministries. They're the three that they'd be keen to do. And I've sat down, I've, I've kind of learnt, I've got to know them. I've got what makes them tick. I understand. I get their gifting. I know their time availabilities. Um, Can I just ask a question then? Yeah. If you haven't made the phone call, one of your yeah. team has, yeah. how do you know what you've just said? You don't need to? Has that been fed to you? Has there been no Yeah, like really good, the, good question. How do you know? Um, I'll show you. Yeah, because I actually don't do much of this anymore. I was like, I don't have time for this. <coughs> I just need my team to do it. And, um, yeah, I save stuff without you even knowing. <laughs> oh, I can show uh, Oh, Could you expand it? He's doing real well. We're not the technology guys. Yeah. We're the teams. I'm like the most technologically deficient person in my generation. <laughs> so um, this is just like a little sample because I couldn't figure out how to do it any other way of um, this form, which this is where I learn everything from my team. And so it's called 90 Newton Ministry. And so someone comes along, um, they're in a growth group. We get their name from the membership guys. Um, I then will assign some, it's called the establishment team, team's called. I'll assign someone to them. Um, for example, I'm assigned to them. Then it's the call to the growth group leader. Um, yes, you should talk to them. Are they ready for ministry? That's that form. So I send that. Um, they say yes. So I go to the next one. They say no, feels too busy, wait six months, ask again then. Um, but then, so send them the 
minister at EV form, which is that one with the M's and all the different ministries. They say, yeah, I, I'm keen for production or table talking, which is like our evangelism series life. Um, not available during weeknights. They have production skills. So this is where the establishment team person is recording all that they find. In a Google Doc. Yeah. And then they'll make, someone on my team will make a suggestion of which ministry. So they're saying they want to do slides, they also want to do this evangelism thing, but they can't do weeknights. So all they can, the best option for them is slides. And then this is where I come into play, approved by focus. I then take that, um, take all that information to focus and say, Billy Joe wants to, um, wants to serve on the slides team. Are you guys happy with that? And by you guys, I mean the other M guys. So the mag guys, the mission guys. And at that point, it's either a, yeah, sweet, cool, step them in, or it's a, um, actually, we don't have any needs in the slides area. And so then it's go back to the, but I usually know that information anyway beforehand. Um, so in terms of the process, in terms of you trying to marry this person up to a ministry, somewhere in the church, you're trying to get a feel from, from them. So they uh, they initially tell you what kind of areas they'd like to serve in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do they talk about sort of like, because I guess you're on the fairly specific. Um, sometimes I guess in a smaller church, there's areas that you haven't quite worked out. You know, do you, well maybe in a big church you're the same, whether you talk about what kind of passions they're in, like, you know, where are they passionate, where are they gifted? Yeah. Does that sort of come into it or you can sort of work that out just because you've got so many different tasks there? Um, I guess it's just worked out like that, yeah. Most of the way the the, the survey phrases it is I would like to. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I would like to serve in or I would like to be involved in. Mm-hmm. So usually the gifting thing comes through there. Okay. Their passions just come through. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's no, alright. I was just trying to work out how to Yeah. how to because, yeah, you just have so many different categories, so I just sort of yeah. meant that you can marry that up. I don't know if we'd have so many in our church. Yeah, totally. So to yeah. actually figure out where yeah. people's passions were. And, yeah. Yeah. But often we actually... I do have quite lots of uh, quite a lot of conversations with people who they've said, the primary thing I'd like to do is X, and I go and I see our needs, and we haven't, like, that, that team is functioning well. We don't actually have any need for them there. And so I actually talk to them about, would you... Would you be okay with serving in a different area that is outside of your comfort zone, outside of your natural yeah. bent and gifting, for the sake of the bigger picture of the good of the church? And Dan, are you the one that goes back to them, or is it your the person who's done the phone call goes back to them? Yeah, yeah, the the, the one person throughout. So you have to keep talking up back and forth with your team, because if your team, if the person who's made the phone call doesn't quite know all the needs of the church, but you say, hey. There's no chance of slides for this person. Um, you tell that back, you know, you're working through another person. Is that right? Um, no. Well, I've got another document that my team works off as well, which um, tells them all that information, so I don't have to be a bottleneck. So here's, I think I'm, I mentioned this one before. This is the one I attempted to draw up. Here's a little um, section of it. I'll try and zoom in again. So um, let's take maturity for example. Um, 
bookshop. See that there? Um, we need someone on the bookshop. Um, we need one person. One person to replace Elliot. Um, but just say that per someone had said, I want to... Oh, just made me form up and go at the bookshop. And, um, sorry. Um, just say we didn't have a need on the bookshop, but someone had come to us and said they want that, then my, the team has this as well. And so they'll come on and go, oh, there's no need. Um, and then they would talk to them about other areas, I guess. So yeah, I don't... Um, so I have been a bottleneck in that way in the past, but... So that has to be kept up to date by yeah. members. Yeah, which is a nightmare for me, actually. Because they don't keep it up to date. Yeah, so every two weeks in focus, I say, we have a ministry section during our focus meetings. We talk about new people, and I say, is the document up to date, everybody? And um, and this is not. Um, yeah. It's a bit of carrot and stick stuff, too. Once this gets going, people learn that it, and it's not up to date. I would get some. Yeah. If you yeah. come to us with a request, and I need it tomorrow, and I didn't know about it, to be perfectly honest, we have to we have to say nah, too late, sorry. So it's a bit awkward in this fellowship, but that's how it works, right? Because mm. we we haven't got we can't deal with it. And so so they, they always put I need three people, even if they need one, and they leave it live. That's right. So time. so all those games can get played. That's right. So we go, but that's why we also consultants. We kind of know that we we'll say no, you don't. You need one. So there's yeah. So we have yeah. our policy we've written up is a um. Cooperative and consultative model. <laughs> uh, and and it, what's really nice about it is it does bring, it has, it has to bring the tensions to the to the table and to the head so they actually are discussing where resources get shared so that we actually really wrestle with this stuff because you have to have people to understand the concept of scarcity. Right? We don't have many resources. We never really will for what we're trying to do. So we have to really be, be frugal with how we spend them, yep. these people's resources. People actually, just like money, there's not, there's not bottomless pit and stuff. I'll give you another little example about the consultancy thing. So here, so the membership guys are savvy. They know, like, they've played a game, right? So all of us, um, now our brothers, and they'll probably listen to this. Um, <laughs> the connection, they've said that we need um, nine more connection managers. They won't listen to this, so. Um, they need nine new people for their team. Now, I don't, I'm thinking, you probably don't need nine people for your team. What's going on? And so that's why I remember I said before we had the welcomers and connectors. So that's, I'm thinking, no, that's not good. Let's talk about that. And my, my um, ministry team is functioning quite well. So I actually just send one of my representatives, someone on my team, and say, go and talk to the, the membership guys, because that doesn't sound good. And so now they've come up with a new thing of collapsing these two together so that you don't actually need six different teams, you just need three teams with a little bit bigger. Um, a good vibes, six people, six new people. As attendance at 90V grows, so do the needs of good vibes to keep up. And that's true. As church gets bigger, your ministries have to expand. But you probably don't need six people right away because we haven't just grown by 100. Um, so there's lots of lots of back and forth and it's, it's, yeah, it's real teamwork figuring stuff out. Um, yeah, so I guess the I've been I've been working in the ministry area for um, two years, and I, um, in just in those two years, we've gone through so many different changes. And like this Google Doc thing, we didn't used to do this, and 
um, the ministry team. Um, they just used to uh, they used to go along to EV startup. Now they're no longer going on to EV startup. Um, the ready, the, are you ready to do ministry at EV form? That didn't exist. That now exists. So we've just been like trying all these different things and trying to keep up as church gets bigger. And so the the whole way you do recruiting, I think, needs to evolve as as um, as church changes and grows. And yeah, do you want to ask any other questions about recruiting? In your lists, do you include things like? Is, 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 sorry, is it, is it just things for serving within the congregation, or is it also things like helping with the kids' ministry at the morning congregation, in the case of the night congregation? Does it yeah. extend to helping out with teaching scripture in the local schools? Yeah, it's both. So um, it's not every, in our forms, it wouldn't be every ministry that there is in church, because, um, for instance, we want, we want our night AV people to serve at night AV. So I don't want to advertise or tell them about the other ministries that need to happen at 10.30 church because <coughs> I don't want them serving there. I want them serving at 9.00 V. But certainly like the kids' ministries, the youth ministry, um, because we do want our 9.00 V guys running that sort of work. So, yeah, there's a bit of both. Some of that, what we call the EV-wide ministries, ministry support, the office things, maybe comms, internet, some of those IT things. We, we kind of work those out at the head ministry team to try and work out because each focus congregation is not particularly interested in them because they they don't own those they're not concerned but they for, for the good of the whole sometimes you have to take away those congregations to serve the wider because we're running a number of congregations yeah, so that's that's kind of where we're doing that um, I thought I'd just quickly say the um, Dan is exactly right it, does, it evolves um, and I think, obviously, as Dan's saying, we're, we're quite large now, it's, and it has been. You know, the, did we have a share the F1 formula illustration yet? Not yet. All right, well, we, we talked the F1 Formula 1 illustration, which is, um, you know, with the Formula 1, your aim is to send them out of the car around the track as fast as you can. Uh, and every time, though, you, you know, you're actually having to try and work out what, what do you tweak to make it go faster. But it is our... We've, in this whole area, we have set the Formula 1, so to speak, around the track <coughs> numerous times, trying to, trying to work out how to, make, how to change it to make it go faster. But you have to work out what's best. Is it better to polish the thing, put a new set of tyres on, or just tune the engine? And, in, and our job really is assessing this Formula 1 called church and trying to work out where do we put resource. And actually might be saying to... I know you think the tyres really matter, but you've already got $250 pair on, Spending another, getting a three dollar pair on one at much difference is just getting a bit of resource into tuning the engine because the thing's blowing smoke like crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of kind of goes on in, in the bigger EV world as we get into that, assessing that, and even our own areas we try and look at things. So, because friends, I think when you're smaller, one of the big changes, big things we had, I, I don't know, if I've got it here, was the um, we just had a basic team that started doing interviews with people by having a chat, which was could take about twenty minutes and to sit out and get a sense of just their experience, what they like to do, and that was very powerful. And we, there's the classic um, uh, sort of paradigm I've worked with is um, the classic needs and gifting equation, how do you work that sort of stuff out? Uh, I essentially took my lead from what happened at Willow Creek with the Hybels. In the early days, I think he just went with um, 70s, I think it was kind of real needs, 
and irrespective of your gifts, you kind of force someone into a, what needs to be done, but through some essentially it didn't work for some, that, that there's pain in that, right? So we're too far that way. Then their pendulum swung the other way when I was still in the, in the, I think, late 80s or 90s, that whole gifting book on a course that tries to work out someone's spiritual gift ad infinitum, and then there's about 1,500 different roles linked to all that, and they'd work all those out. And what's fascinating, I watched those pendulum swings growing up, and of course then they've come back to actually now we just, what we call, we experiment. We basically say, you've got, there's a tension between just serving where there's needs, but also you need to be aware of your gifting, your experience, your skills, where it's actually not just exhausting to you and you enjoy it. How do you work that out? Well, you experiment. You get into ministry, you have a go, and if, if you're really just a few weeks, cannot handle children, they can't handle you, it's probably not a spot for you, that's okay, you won't know, that's, that's fine, you try another one, right? And, and, until we get a best fit. Okay? So that's how we, we work. We were at some time early in our kind of, even the ministry area, we're doing our Formula One, trying to work out how best to do it. We had a special, we, we did do more of these discussions and worked out more fine tuning in someone to a particular spot. We, I'd find someone, we do this, we'd give them to someone else in the mission area. I think they should go into that area. And then one of our colleagues would just put them somewhere else. So we had to work out how much time do we spend investing into what, trying to work out exactly where someone would go. It was easier actually um, just to, to get the broad brush strokes of exact kind of where they should go and let and then and then they go into a, a basic a, um, a beginner role in a ministry team and in that area and that end they could then be worked out how, what they're really like week in week out in that ministry by, by being part of the team that makes sense and then then they will be placed in a more appropriate role that makes sense yeah so rather than getting too precise, it was better just to put them in entry level into the team, see how they go. Um, the other thing I'd say that's helpful is just, um, what's in my head here is trying to think through, um, you know, if you're operating in a, in a small church and you're just trying to work out how to recruit people, what would you do? Um, I think having someone who has these kind of chats with people about their ministry involvement, whether they like it, how they're going, is, is still very fruitful because life situations for people is always changing. And the other thing I just draw your, your attention to is this diagram. We would do that in a postcard size early on. And that was really helpful for people just to get a sense of where the teams are in church. And they could look at that and they go, oh, yeah, I, I could do, you know, I, like, I, I kind of like admin stuff which means, you know, I could go into the ministry support area, into the office, um, or actually maybe in the mission area there's some event management, I could do that kind of stuff. And, and so all of a sudden they start to think about which teams might work for them. And something like that is very helpful, I think, when you're sort of getting going, just to give people that classic macro picture of where are the teams in this congregation. And, and so people, and you give a bit like, that form you give early on, you give that to people so they can see it and they start to... Often, they've already chewed it over a bit, they've thought about it, they've prayed about it, so when you catch up, they've actually usually already thought about it and they say, look, these are the kind of teams I think would be a good fit for me. That could be quite helpful for people just so they can work out where they go there. Um, now, all right, well, look... Um, 
if you turn a page, what do you do when you've recruited someone? Where are you going to put them? Um, uh, so when we started in this area too, we, we had what we call a bit of a mop-up, where we had to go back through people who'd been members of church for a long time and actually really ask them, are you happy serving where you're serving or you've not been in ministry? You've been with us for a long time, you're not in ministry. Lots of pastoral chats had to happen to do that kind of thing. Um, but look, page 7, page 15, I won't go through it in detail, but you can see you want your team leaders on board with making sure they land people well on their teams, and so we train our team leaders in that. You can see the first one, ring them, speak to them at church. Early on, say you're excited, they're going to be involved in your ministry area. To share the vision of your ministry area with them. Um, as you can say, there's help them understand how the ministry fits into the whole picture of church and how it's important it is. Um, point three, make clear to them their commitment involved in the ministry area. You know what it's like, don't leave out all the small details of what really is going to be caught up with running this ministry. Be up front. Four, get them serving as quickly as possible. Um, uh, five, train your new team member. Caught up in training, and then six, move them into greater levels of ministry responsibility. Right, as soon as you're able and get a sense of where they're at. Um, uh, high functioning teams, page eight. Um, well, you can see here, creating high, high functioning teams perform. Um, we we really want to train our team leaders to be aware of this kind of stuff. Kathy came up, I said it's in an act, she's come up with the purpose and acronym, PERFORM, sorry, PERFORM it says, and, but under the first piece, PURPOSE, why is the team doing what it's doing, how's it fitting with the bigger picture of what the purpose of church. Um, EQUIP, the team needs to have a clear job description, it's good to talk this through first, then have something written they can refer to. Um, uh, the job's not happening the way you want it, keep working, your communication, provide the training the team needs. Um, to become competent. Um, training may simply be talking through how to handle different situations and having them practice within the group time. Right? You've got to be relational, F fun. Uh, I think that's a fruit, but it is helpful to remember. It's like a growth group. You want it to be um, a good time. Uh, team leaders need to be organised, uh, running the meetings to a plan, have thought beforehand, have the resources available. Um, you need to do a review, ask them how things are going, feedback, and of course motivated by God's word. Um, the, the last, you'll see the last section of the book, which we won't have time to go to today. We we, we do this once a year, and we it's called Leading 101. And what we did there, what um, is we. we we're running our teams. We want our team leaders to run our teams with what we call a discipling mindset. That is, they've got a pastoral mind to maturing people in their teams. And so, um, and so we've got. Um, it's it's kind of around the. Um, it's called the one on one section, but um, we, we we're kind of still thinking of providing helpful aids for team leaders in how, even at a basic level with a team meeting, they'd open God's word with someone. Go to a verse, remind them why they do what they do, that, that sort of stuff. Does that make sense? Just very quickly. So team, team is not just about getting a job done, it's actually done with a discipling mindset, recognising you're maturing people. It's pastoral in its very nature. Right? So you 
meet beforehand, pray, and even have a short debrief after you do the ministry and pray again. Page 17. I'm racing now. It's super quick. Um, I think it's helpful for team leaders to um, just to be aware of the stages teams go through. This year's largely some of a lot of these books is kind of a bit of stuff out of um, Ken Blanchard's work, the one minute manager kind of stuff, or a situational leadership. And what what he's doing there is um, he's just saying, look. Where's that pen, Dan? Yeah. So teams basically go through a stage. A team leader needs to be aware of. There's the first stage. Um, we call it the what it the um, the beginning of orientation stage. People are excited about getting on board with it. It's all exciting. Uh, a bit idealistic. Then uh, the reality of how hard it is to do ministry, dealing with people, sets in. Um, the gap between the idealised view and actually what takes place is kicking in. So this is the, um, we call it, I'm not sure I'm liking this stage. Um, then the team, uh, now we're getting somewhere stage, as you work that kind of stage through, and then the, we're smashing stage, stage four. I, we, we want our leaders to be aware of this, team leaders, because, put simply, this is what all the stages all teams go through, and particularly be aware that you need to go through stage two. All teams go through the kind of the more difficult stage, and and you've got to keep going so that you just don't get stuck there. And people find team, being part of the team difficult, and they want to resign. <coughs> but being a team leader, being aware that the stage goes, a, 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 a team goes through those stages is particularly helpful. <coughs>